0: hello everybody this is corey chapman uh, from ufc wealth management personal finance coach and best-selling author i sit here today with my co-host sherry james i'm excited to be able to spend some time with her today and get into what we believe is going to be a way to embrace the world of finance money habits relationships and everything else in between. So uh, hopefully you'll get a little bit of insight out of us uh, talking and just communicating and and sharing some of our insights that we share with our colleagues and our clients. And hopefully it puts you in the right direction. So that being said, Sherry James, how are you doing today?
1: I'm doing good, Corey Chapman. So glad to be here. Thank you uh, for this, <laughs> this opportunity to come together and chat
0: there you and go. share with the people. There you go. There you go. So, look, I, uh, you know, thought that we would just kind of dive right in and kind of figure out what we do and we'll splice it and dice it up as we do. And, uh, you know, there's a lot of different topics that come across, I think, but starting out with a brand new year, 2020, all about vision and clarity and the ability to see the foretold. I think this is a great time for us to start talking about, like you said, habits. I think you can constantly talk about things, but until you develop the right habits and start doing the things that you're supposed to do, uh, you really don't truly get to that result you're looking for until it actually gets there. So let's do something on that.
1: I think one of the habits that I want to talk about, and it gets a lot of pushback, but it's the habit of faking it till you make it. (laughs) And maybe it's the way it's said that makes people like roll their eyes in the back of their head. But it really occurred to me at the end coming out of 2019 that if you're going to make it, you're going to have to become it inwardly before you actually see it outwardly. And everything happens that way. Everything happens that way. So, for example, you know, a doctor becomes a doctor by pretending to be a doctor. Now, that sounds crazy, but A little it's bit, true. but a yeah, little okay, bit, right? I'll go with you. Right? But if you talk to any doctor and you ask them, hey, when did you feel like you were a doctor? One might tell you, well, you know, I have known I was a doctor my entire life and medical school was just a formality. But then there may be someone else who comes along and says, you know, it wasn't until I graduated medical school that I felt like I was a doctor. But then somebody else might say, you know what? It wasn't a I was actually in the operating room. And I felt like, oh, crap, I'm a doctor. Like it, everybody's process of becoming is it varies. But the science of it, which is that you're going to have to pretend it. You're going to have to walk like a doctor, talk like a doctor, act like a doctor, do doctor things, socialize with doctors. You're going to have to be it before you actually become
0: it. Well, you know, so I agree with that. You know, for those who are listening and saying, okay, this sounds okay. I hear what you're talking about. I know Tony Robbins always says that if there's weeds there, you can't think the weeds away, right? You got to pull the dang weeds out, right? So if I'm being practical and I'm saying to myself, okay, I believe that I am a millionaire. I believe that I'm going to be successful. uh, There has to be an application behind it to basically get you moving in that right direction. I think it's one thing to think about it and believe in your mindset that you're that, but you also have to apply the application to kind of move you into that direction. See, I'm a firm believer that at the end of the day, you got to have the rubber meet the road, right? I got to I gotta go out there and read the books and do the things that I have to do in order to become a doctor. I can't keep saying I am a doctor because as soon as that guy falls on the road in front of me and got a split head open, he's like, I need you to know how to stitch, right? You know, you can't be like, I think I can. I think I can, right? So, you know, what would you say to someone like that that says, oh, okay, how do I put the two together? How do I bring it all in?
1: Right. So, first of all, great question. Thinking alone will get you nowhere. Correct. Thought has to be backed up with action. If you have no action, you may as well let go of the thought because it's not going anywhere. And in the process of a doctor becoming a doctor, there are things that are happening. You are taking the MCATs. You are, if you're an undergrad, you're majoring in biology or some other medical related Area. Um, Then you're applying to medical schools. You are probably getting a job working in a hospital. So you are building your life toward becoming that. And that's the faking part. And maybe that's the part that everybody looks down on. Like they is, is that they take fake it till you make it to mean that you're just pretending. But that's what a, a medical intern is doing. That's what someone that is completing their residency is doing. They are shadowing other doctors. And so if you want millions in your life, you need to find a millionaire to shadow. Whether you're shadowing them in person or you're shadowing them by reading their books or you're shadowing them by you know following the work that they do. But you're going to have to go and immerse yourself in the environment of the thing that you want to become. And I don't know how you become it otherwise. I think anybody's journey, if you trace it back, anybody that we admire from a Warren Buffett to a Bill Gates to an Oprah Winfrey, I think if you trace it back, they were immersed in a world that was positioning them to become the thing that they eventually became.
0: I definitely want to agree on that. I think at the end of the day, just what you just said, you have to find someone to model after. I think modeling definitely makes a big deal. You know, one of the things that when I got into this industry as a personal finance coach, I sought after people who were doing better than I, but also had the things that I wanted. Because I think that gives you the ability to be able to know that they are not just pretending they know what they're doing, they've actually showed that the hard work and their labor that they put into actually shows that they actually have got that and accomplished with the level they wanted to go to. So I think by having those mentors and having those people that you can then, in turn, ask specific questions to hopefully shorten your learning curve, right? Uh, I think that's a big part of this process. I think that's kind of where you and I stand. You know, we... You know, we'll uh, uh, have conversations that will bounce ideas off of each other and laugh and smile and and, you know, we'll have our conversations. But I think it's the ability to be able to share uh, things that be insightful that hopefully will shorten your learning curve and get you to the end result.
1: I have a question because you work in the, the field of Wealth management, and I'm interested in
0: wealth. <laughs> Does this
1: is We have a good friendship. <laughs> it's
0: important. It's important,
1: right? So, when you were starting out, you didn't start out as a millionaire. How did you find the millionaires that you shadowed? And like, what did you do? How, I, you know, and then how did you? Cause I, I, there's several questions in here. How did you get comfortable? Being in that environment, because I would imagine that someone who doesn't feel like they're a millionaire or maybe doesn't feel wealthy probably also doesn't feel comfortable being in environments around people with extreme wealth.
0: Mm-hmm. You know, that's a good question. You know, it, it, it's so funny you asked that because I just got finished talking to my wife about this just the other day about elevating our game to get around the billionaire. Right. Because I want to go to another level. And I said to myself, I said, you know, I know a lot of wealthy people, but I remember when I first started out, you know, everyone I knew was like my peers. You know, we grew up uh, broke, eating top ramen, (laughs) you know, trying to make it last as long as it could last, right? uh, you know. And so fortunately, that was our lifestyle. So we didn't really know where to start. I was fortunate enough that I started doing a lot of homework. You know, It's funny because until you find something that you're passionate about, you really don't realize how much fun is in the process and the journey of finding what you're passionate about, right? But when you find that passion, Now it's about expanding it and growing it, right? And I think for me, I really got heavily into personal development and reading books and going down that path of learning how to ask people for insight. What I've found is people who have money, people who have done well in their life, who are successful, they are always willing to share. It's the ones that don't have that seem to make it harder for others to come up under them. And I think that that's what I learned by just reading and going through podcasts and, and listening to audios and that sort of thing that kind of came across. I was fortunate enough that I got into reading about finance and money. And I remember when I got into the world of finance, I actually started out there in the insurance industry. I thought, you know, at the time, Lack of knowledge, life insurance was just if someone dies, you get it, right? But I was fortunate enough to seek out and get a mentor, right? Someone who had already been doing it. And he sat me down and said, let me show you how to play the game. And I love that he used that analogy, a game, because I really believe it is a game, right? Uh, it's funny. I wrote my last book was called uh, "The Money Game." You know, you can't win unless you know how to play, right? And that's a good starting point, that's, right? Yes. Because... It's in order <laughs> to win at Monopoly
1: if you don't know what to do with the Dyson. right? Exactly.
0: <laughs> right. What part goes where? Right, right, right. How <laughs> do I don't get my $200? Right. Right. And I think that was where it started for me. And so anyway, uh, in having this mentor and asking questions, he went on to tell me the way he did things, right? Um, I thought that by, at the time... Writing life insurance, it was a numbers game. I'd go out there and see as many people as I could and hopefully through sheer will, I would have hundreds of people knocking down my door. Well, that wasn't necessarily true, right? But what he taught me was it's not about the numbers, it's about the quality, right? And I'll give you an example. I have a really good friend of mine that she sells real estate. And she sells real estate in the Antelope Valley where properties are a lot less in value. But the work that it takes to sell that property is the same ABC to sell the property as it does in Malibu or Beverly Hills, same stuff that you do. But her focus has been her environment that she's comfortable in, right? And she would stay in that zone and stay selling in that zone. Well, I explained to her look, if you take the same concept that you're doing, and shift your mindset over to being a much higher-end scale of clientele base, think of how much bigger your reserves and your income starts to go up. Well, it was the same thing with this mentor teaching me. He said, I can go spend four hours on a golf course and in 18 holes make a half million dollars by meeting the right quality people that I was selling the same life insurance you're selling. And that was that epiphany for me to goes, Wow. Okay, I get it. Teach me. I'm not worthy. Show me what I got to do. Right. And that was that starting point. You know, I, I read a, a quote from Jack Welch and I'm paraphrasing, but I remember him saying, he said something in the interview. They asked him, Why is it that some people get paid $10 an hour and others get paid $10,000 an hour? And when that quote was said, I was like, Wow, $10,000 an hour? Mm-hmm. And he responded by simply saying, It's knowledge. The more information you have, the more people are willing to pay for that information. Done. Game over. It was all about knowledge now and how to learn it.
1: So something you said that, that popped out at me, if you don't mind, I want to go back to you said you need to learn how to ask people for insight. So I feel like I'm in a position where I can ask you for insight, mm-hmm. but I'm not necessarily in a position to ask, say, someone at a different tier. Mm. for insight and, and so how much does relationship play into being able to, to ask for insight so you know I don't want to be that person that's chasing somebody down at the dinner or at the <laughs> the fundraising event talking about just can I get a few minutes of your time like I don't want to look crazy
0: so look here's here's how I look at it I think it's two things relationships sure I definitely think that adds value but I think more than relationship It's your comfort level that you're willing to have that approachability to me because you have that confidence of doing that. Most people are fearful of talking to strangers. Most people are fearful of the rejection side that comes from that. And unfortunately, that stops a lot of people in exceeding and moving forward because they don't want to step out their comfort zone. They're worried about what someone might say to them, that could be harmful in a sense of the rejection side of that. So they're like, eh, it's kind of better. I'll just stay where I'm at and I won't go that process. I think if I was to give anyone any advice is to think of yourself as at an equal level of anyone you talk to. And look, they may have more money. They may have more things. They may have spent a lot more time than you are. But if you can come in, as you said before, act as if... Right. And you can That's say, fake it right, you it. fake it till you make it. Right. Okay. But if you can see yourself at that equal level, in the sense of this person puts their pants on just the same way as I put my pants on, this person brushes their teeth first thing in the morning, the same way as I do, and you come in at that conversation, then I believe they perceive you in that same conversation. Confidence is everything. I believe more than anything else, if you have the confidence, and that confidence exudes out of you, people will naturally gravitate to you because you have that confidence. And I think that's more easier for them to have that conversation with you because they see you not as someone who's taking, right, but someone who's a peer and that we can uh, intellectually share ideals. And I think one last thing that I would add to that is that whenever you're seeking out someone as a mentor, it's not what you can take, but what else can you give, you know, one of the things that I had a fortunate time, I spent a lot of time with Les Brown. And I remember we were sitting in the car one day, driving to my house. And he was talking to me about sharing my story and talking about my story. And, and, you know, and I had told him about my history and how I was brought up. And, and it was it was unbelievable, right? And, and it was funny because when I got finished sharing my story, he goes, this is how you should, you know, convey your story and get it out there. And when he got finished telling my story as if he was me, I was like, I want to sign up and be with you, you know, I was like amazed by how he shared share that story. And what was great about it, it was just that sharing of ideals, right, and how he, you know, uh, the certain inflections that he put out there and how he conveyed the conversation, the tonality in his voice made all the difference in the world. And I learned from that little simple drive in the car, it's the same way when you're trying to find mentors When they're giving you of themselves, you need to be receptive to it. You need to be open to listening and being as humble as you possibly can to get that insight from them. Because that's a huge, huge blessing to have.
1: That's good. We're having a little master class right now. All right. (laughs) So on this next, (laughs) fake it till you make it. Do you think confidence is a habit?
0: Oh, that's a good one. You know, I think it is. I think it's a habit. But I also think it's a a way of life. I think you can't be confident in one area and not be confident in all areas. Now, understand what I'm saying by that. I'm not saying at the end of the day, you are going to be perfect or best at everything that you do. But I'm saying you're confident enough in who you are that you will figure out a way to get better at it. Does that make sense? Mm -hmm. And I think that to me is the difference between success and mediocrity. When I look at how people are looking to rise and come to another level, they have got to be willing to do the work, put in the time, put in the hours to get to that next level. And I think, unfortunately, today, not everybody's willing to do that. And I think that's why we don't see as much in the level of these entrepreneurs that are coming up having as much success because they're not putting in all the work to do that.
1: One of the things that I know for 2020, just looking at habits that your habits determine the direction of your life. And it's really not a mystery where you're going. It's just not, because you become what you do every day. And so this habit of acting like the thing you want to be is not just, maybe it's not just acting it where you are, but putting yourself in environments where the acting makes sense. Again, going back to the doctor analogy, they're not just out acting on the street with friends. They're actually in classes. They're actually uh, visiting hospitals. They're actually in organizations. There's things like the American Medical Association. They're the, doing the work,
0: right? They're right. doing
1: the work uh-huh. exactly. So, for someone who wants to build wealth uh-huh. and wants a uh, a wealthy lifestyle, let's talk about like where they should be in 2020.
0: Uh-huh.
1: You know, what should they be reading? Mm -hmm. Who should they be talking to and what places should they be going?
0: That's a great question. And and I think the very first thing, if I was to give any advice on how to get yourself into a better situation, it's got to start with understanding where you're at. Unfortunately, too many times we lie to ourselves. Oh, my finances ain't that bad. Oh, I got more money put in the pocket. Oh, I saved a little bit of money. I'm not spending quite as much. I don't go out as often as I said I did, right? But I really do. We lie to ourselves, right?
1: So here's something I learned working here with you, with EFC Wealth Management, is that part of why we lie to ourselves is we don't have a clear end. And so the lie is a lie because you don't know where you're going because you haven't defined the end. So you have no way to assess where you are in relation to the end.
0: So I think that's okay, But let me tell you why I don't necessarily agree with that. All right. And I'll tell you why. I do believe that, yes, you need to know an end result because sometimes you know what that end result is. You can work backwards to kind of see where you're going. But let's go one step further. I also need to understand and be honest with myself to where I am at. Because if I realize what my problem is, I can then in turn assess how did I get here? Because if you can assess how you got here and when you go back to the habits that you were talking about, right? If I have a bad habit of spending and I know that every month I'm going to go spend money on clothes, shoes, whatever it's going to be. Or better yet, take care of my kids and I want to make sure I'm taking care of them and I want to buy them everything they need to have. These are the habits that have now got you to the situation that you're currently in. Mm -hmm. And this is probably why that won't change because your habit hasn't changed. So I think assessing where you are, to me, is first and foremost. Even before you need to know what the end result is, you need to understand where you are. And the reason why that is is because you got to say to yourself, am I happy and content of where I am right now? And if the question or if the answer is no then do something different about it. You can't keep saying, I want to get out of debt. And you keep pulling that credit card out every time you walk out the door and you go, just put it on the card. I got 30 days to pay for it. Because that's the mindset that you kind of started to build up over time. And that is now perpetuated where why now you are in the situation you're in. So even before you figure out how to become wealthy, I got to figure out how I start doing the right wealthy attitudes and tips and strategies and things that I need to do. So I'm acting as if to move forward.
1: I agree with that. I agree with that. I think where I'm coming from with with because any assessment has got to compare you against something. There's got to be a benchmark.
0: But isn't the benchmark really based off of what you perceive?
1: Well, no, no, no. When I say benchmark, I mean, it's your benchmark. It's your it's your life and where you want to end up. Correct. I I feel like when I got clear on the end, I got clear on the why getting clear on the end or having an ideal that I was working towards. And maybe the end isn't, you know, 70, maybe I, I should say it differently, but an ideal of like. This is what I want my life to look like. And if I keep doing what I'm doing today, there's no way that ideal is going to come. So maybe I shouldn't suggest the end as like a chronological age end, but an ideal of there's no way that you can keep spending more than you're bringing in and think that somehow it's going to shake out in the end.
0: I agree. And I think it goes back to the analogy about the pulling of the weeds. Right. It is exactly that what you just said. So I think that understanding where you are right now is to me. A starting point because it gets me to say to myself, first and foremost, do I like it? Do I like where I'm at? Am I comfortable where I'm at? Does this give me the thing that I'm looking for to be able to move in the right direction? Because if the answer is no, the very first starting point is, okay, now how do I find the model or find the person or the, the situation that I want to emulate to be like, because that's what I'm looking for. I think, If you don't have vision, how can you look to the future to see what you want because you don't know what that looks like? Does that make sense? I took my kids out and we did the Hollywood tour, right? Bus where it takes you to all the mansions and stuff like that, right? And, you know, I thought, hey, we're doing okay. And then, but until I got on that mansion bus, I was like, oh, I see the vision now, <laughs> you know? I right. see the direction. I, see the I, I see the I'm playing, okay? Right, I need to get right. to that next level. I'd have been to the mountain <laughs> Exactly. <top. laughs> and I think that's where that, that vision comes into play, right? Because you have to be able to know that there are more things things out there and unfortunately a lot of us don't know more than our surroundings we're so used to circling around the same people and doing the same things that we can't expound our thought process you know we always talk about your income is going to be derived by the top five people you hang around right that's not a good thing if everybody's broke and then you hanging around and now you broke too that's a scary thought right no way to fit in right right that's the only way to fit in exactly so i think you need to elevate the game right you need to find people that are in a different circle and doing different things than you do you know i always say it's not that rich people are better is they think differently they look at things different they do things differently they socialize differently and i think that's the part that we all need to be figuring out as we kind of move forward Because we want to elevate, you know, if you want better for your kids as you grow up, you got to do things differently. That's just where it starts at.